We have been going over our sermon series for the month, uh, The Gift from Above. We know that we're in a season of giving. It's Christmas season. We give uh, for all sorts of reasons. We give out of love. We give out of appreciation. We give out of a thankful heart. We give this to honor someone or make them feel appreciate, appreciated and know that we're thinking of them. And so it's no coincidence that this month uh, we're talking about the greatest gift from above, and, and it's the Word of God. The, the greatest gift that we can receive, aside from Jesus Christ and His salvation, is the Word of God that's been given to us. And in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that he might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. The word of God is such an awesome gift. It's a gift that when, that's given to us. Uh, and unlike some of the gifts that we'll receive throughout the year, gifts that will end up... Uh, maybe in our shed or in the backyard somewhere. The gift that we're given lasts for us for an eternity. It's a gift that keeps on giving, the Word of God, and it's no wonder why the Word of God is often so scrutinized and often so criticized and often so attacked. Billy Graham said this. It says down, he said, down through the years, speaking about the Word of God, it's been ridiculed, Burned, refuted, destroyed, but it lives on. It is the anvil that has worn out many hammers. Most books are born, they live a few short years, and then they go the way of all the earth. They are forgotten, but not the Bible. The Bible is preserved. It lives on. What an awesome gift that God has given us, his word, that when we're weak, it strengthens us. When we're Disheartened, it comforts us. When we're tired, it gives us rest. His word, it gives us wisdom and knowledge for decisions that we have to make. It gives us direction and correction for our lives. I would say that there's no part of our life, no part of our walk, our being, that the word of God doesn't have some kind of influence in whether it's in our homes, in our marriages, our families, the way we manage our finances, the way we uh, behave with one another, the Word of God that's an influence in our lives. Uh, in the book of Psalms, it says uh, that the Word of God is a light unto our, our, our feet and a, a light unto our path, which means that the Word of God helps us to, to navigate when times are dark or when times uh, seem uncertain or even a bit confused. It's the Word of God that illuminates our lives and our paths, and it shows us in the direction we should be walking. People ask, is it possible to hear from God? Can we hear from God? And although I've never audibly heard the voice of God, I've, I've never been by myself somewhere and heard many. But I have heard God speak to me. As many of us here have heard God speak to us, and we hear God speak to us through his word. We hear God speak to us when we begin to hear the word of God or hear the word of God or, or begin to read it and study it. Uh, God's word comes alive, and he begins to speak to us uh, concerning where we're at. God's word, it contains his mind. It contains the mind of God. It contains his thoughts his heart, his commandments. It brings us his direction. It brings us his comfort. But above all, the word of God, it gives us his truth. And tonight, entitled this message, God's word is true. If we can bow our heads and close our eyes and ask God to get involved in this evening's service. Father, we just come before you tonight thanking you, Lord, for all that you are doing, God. We thank you for your word. Your word is precious, Father God. And tonight, that your word, Lord, would just minister and speak to our hearts, Father. Father, I lift up this church, Father God. I, I pray for those that, who might be sick in body for your complete healing tonight, complete recovery. We know the devil is a liar, Lord, and we know that he will try to attack uh, our physical bodies. But, Father, we believe in your word when it says that by the stripes of your son we're healed. 
I pray, Lord, that your hedge of protection, Lord, would be upon our pastors, their wives, their children, Father. That you would continue to cause growth in this ministry, growth in this church, my God. And let your hand be upon each and every servant of Christ in this place tonight, Father. We thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do, Father God. Lord, we anticipate great things, Father God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and we all say, amen. Book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. He says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? What a a heavy question that is right there. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? If we've been walking with God any amount of time, we can look back and say, you know, God has been faithful. He might not have answered my prayers when I wanted my prayers to be answered, but he's always come through. He's always met the need. He's always been faithful. He's always been there. And the question that we have to ask ourselves when we're going through these times of uncertainty is, has God failed me? Has God ever failed me? Has God ever failed in, to do what he said he would do in our lives? It's when we're in those valleys of decisions, in those time of testings, in those times where we feel like our prayers are just kind of just dropping. Anybody can relate? Where that enemy would come in and begin to whisper to us, God doesn't hear you. Why are you wasting your time? What he's doing is he's trying to discredit God. He's trying to get you to get to a place where you'll walk outside of the will of God or the timing of God for your life. Every one of us here will experience those times of testing. Jesus himself experienced that time of testing in the book of Matthew when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights, there he was fasting and praying and here comes the tempter. And he says, if you're hungry, tell, tell these rocks to turn themselves into stone. He's trying to get Jesus to get outside of the will and outside of the provision of God. And I like his response. For it is written. For it is written. For the scriptures say, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The enemy, he brings Jesus to that Place and he begins to show him all the riches of the world and he says, it's all yours. It's all yours. Actually, before he says that, he takes him to a place and he challenges Jesus with the word of God. He takes him to a high point of the temple and he says, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, his angels will protect you. He's trying to contradict God's word there. And Jesus responds, it is written, the scriptures say, you will not put your Lord, your God, to a test. And when he does show him all the riches of the world, and when he does show him all the kingdoms, and he says, all this can be yours if you'll bow down and worship me, to try to get Jesus to reject God, reject the word and the will of God, Jesus once again uh, rebukes the enemy and tells him, it is written. It is written, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. These times where the enemy is testing Jesus and attacking him, Jesus references back to the word of God. He references back to what the word of God says, and it would be wise for us in our lives that when we're going through times of testing, that when we're going through times of uncertainty, we would reference back to the word of God. We would reference back to the memory verses that we learned as youth, that we would reference back to the scriptures that we study on our lunch break or in devotional or at Bible study, that we would reference back to the word of God. I don't know about you, but I don't like tests. I do horrible when it comes to tests. I failed my driving test. And I had been driving since I was 14. There's something about when you take a test, you feel like the pressure is on, right? But you know what? When we go through the testings of life, when we go through the challenges of life, uh, 
it's an open book test. You know what I mean by that? We can reference to the Word of God. We don't go at it alone. The Word of God is there to guide us. The Word of God is there to help us, to instruct us, and to direct us. And that's what Scripture does. Scripture will direct you. When we do go through these times of testings, you know, it's, it's meant for us to focus on God, to begin to bring whatever issue, whatever decision that we might be facing, we begin to bring it to God in prayer and in meditation and in the study of, of God's word. We live in this generation where we want things like this instantly. Right? If you don't know something, what do you do? You Google it, right? We, I remember as a kid, I would say, ask my mom, how do you spell this? Go look it up in the dictionary right, or in the encyclopedia. But we have things really at just the swipe of a, of a, of, of a button now. And there's times where we're in these times of seasons of testing where God doesn't want to give us that instant gratification. He wants us to learn how to seek him. He wants us to learn how to press in. He wants us to learn how to draw closer and, draw and hear him and have some patience and wait upon him. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, it will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And that waiting process, how do we get? We get impatient? Do we get anxious? Do we get quick to make a decision or do we remember to be still and wait on God? Be still and know and remember that he is God, that he's in control, that it's he that's leading us, it's he that's guiding us and directing us. The Bible will teach us to wait on God. While we wait, uh, we can either become discouraged uh, or disappointed or disenchanted or we can choose to press on to seek God, to seek his face, to seek his hand and allow it to guide us and direct us. I'll tell you, before, before Christ, I made some bad decisions. I think we can relate, some of us here. Decisions that, uh, man, affected not just me, but affected family members. And so when God brings us word and brings the clarity to his word, the direction that we receive for our lives, it not only affects us, but also affects our loved ones and the decisions that, that uh, we make for them. I was talking to my son today. We were talking about some things, and I said, you know what? I know you guys are blessed because of the decisions that your mom and I made years ago, the decisions to serve God, the decisions that not move out of his will or, or not grow impatient uh, with what God was doing in our lives but to stay the course and to remain steadfast. And that's why it's so important that we seek truth daily, that we seek the truth of God's word daily, that we spend time in devotion and spend time in, in the study of the word of God, that we allow the word of God to be hidden within our hearts and that we allow the word of God to cleanse and renew our minds. As we study, God will direct us through his word and his word will influence our prayers and bring to light areas in our lives that uh, might be covered or might be hindering our walk with God or even our walk with one another. When we're struggling to maybe make a decision, it's God's word oftentimes that will confirm the direction we ought to go. Whether it's uh, something we read or a brother or a sister that will text and Say, hey, I was thinking about this scripture and I'm sending it to you. That word will confirm what we've been wrestling with in prayer. Come into church as we hear the word of God. The Bible says our faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. This past Sunday, Pastor Dan was preaching a message that was just so on point, man. And it felt like bullet after bullet after bullet, just pinpointing certain things that I was wrestling with and I was talking to someone after church the first service and he felt like man it's like he was like man it's like he knew everything I was going through the guy was saying what was it 
It's not that Pastor Dan was reading our minds. It's that the word of God was penetrating our hearts. It's that the word of God was speaking to us. It was directing us. It was continuing to encourage us to be determined to not give up, go forward, stay steadfast. See, we can walk in faith, and we can walk in the full confidence of knowing that God's word is accurate. God's word is correct. When we say that God's word is true, when we say that God's word is accurate and that it's correct, what we're saying is God knows what he's talking about. We hear this term nowadays, well, the experts say, right? Turn on the news, and it's the experts say this. The experts say you should do this. The experts say you should do that. The experts say you should buy this. You, 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 people say that because they assume that if someone is an expert, that they lend some kind of credibility, that whatever it is that they're advertising is reliable, is credible, an expert basically is defined as a person who has a comprehensive or authoritative knowledge of a skill in a particular area. God is an expert. He's the one that created us. He's the one that formed us. He's the one that saved us, renewed us, redeemed us. He's the one that knows every single thing about us and what we're going through. He knows everything about our lives. Uh, he is an expert in our lives. And it's he that we should be turning to. He's the expert that we should be looking to see what he says. When we find ourselves needing that guidance or direction, uh, who do we turn to? Do we turn to the world? Do we turn to our neighbor or comadre, compadre? Do we turn to someone that we know is going to tell us what our itching ears want to hear? The worldly wisdom, you know, at the, at the job. The Bible says that all of that is passing away, but the word of God is what's going to endure forever. It's the word of God uh, that we should turn to. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses uh, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may, may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. There are a ton of self-help books that are out there. You know, do this and to a better you. Diet books, all, you name it. And there's nothing in it wrong in and of themselves. But all these books are written from a certain perspective, and that's from the perspective of man who's flawed, who, who, who makes mistakes. But the word of God is inspired by God the author of what is good, the author of what is right, the author of what is holy, the author of wisdom, the author of knowledge, the author of direction. Why would we go here when we can go to the word of God and ask God, God, what is it uh, that you're trying to show me for my life? It's because the word of God is a mirror. You know what happens when you look at a mirror, right? You see yourself in all your glory, and all your imperfections at times. When we read the Word of God and we begin to look at the Word of God, God begins to reveal areas in our lives that might need a little fine-tuning, that might need a little correcting. Someone say correction. It's not a bad thing. All correction is, it, it means making a change that rectifies or uh, an error or inaccuracy. It means writing what might be wrong. And, and sometimes we make mistakes, amen? Sometimes we err. Sometimes we are wrong. Maybe in our attitude, maybe in our habits, maybe in our behavior, maybe in just the way we get in traffic when someone cuts us off. And the Word of God corrects us, and it corrects our attitudes, and it corrects our thoughts, and it corrects our minds, and it corrects our behavior. As parents, we correct our children because we love our children. 
Because we understand that it might be cute now, but if you let that go, eventually it's not going to be cute when they act up. That uh, children, they, unless they're corrected at times, they might do something that could hurt themselves. You, know, you wouldn't give your son or daughter a pair of scissors and say, here, go run with them, right? And you would correct that behavior if you were to see it. And when there's things in our lives that aren't lining up with God's will, God brings that, that subtle correction, that tender correction through the word of God so that uh, we don't end up making bigger issues or problems for ourselves later on down the line. Athletes, they themselves will go back and study films of themselves, of whether it's a boxer or a batter or a pitcher, and they'll look at They'll study themselves and they'll look for the flaws and how can I correct that and make it better, make it more perfect. See, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. When we do things correctly, we produce the right results. And those results are lasting. Jesus said when you build your house upon, upon the word, upon the rock of the word, when you build your house, when you build your home, your marriage, your family, your career, your life on the word of God, Bible says that it's going to withstand the trials and the testings and the storms of life. That's what he's saying when you take that time to lay upon, build upon the foundation that God has already laid through his word. I, um, I, appreciate, I appreciate this church. And I appreciate the, church, the, the leaders here, amen. From our senior pastor, Pastor Richard, to our associate pastors, to the pastors on staff, and every single leader here, I appreciate. You know why? Because there's a spirit of excellence that they lead with. It was uh, last Wednesday, uh, Pastor Dan was up here preaching, and I was in the, back in the media there, and I, I was looking, and I was looking at, you know, D'Angelo was on drums, right? He was on drums tonight, right? <clears throat> I saw a little Mike Jimenez. He was running the soundboard, right? It, it, you don't have to, I'm going to name a lot of people. You don't have to clap for everybody. My son Rocky, he was running the video board, right? I've seen Elijah up here. I've seen Jojo up here. And I was just looking at every, all of these men that are, that are leading us, Pastor Dan, Pastor Matt. And I said, you know what? Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers, man. At, at some point, these young men were teenagers being influenced by excellent, godly leaders. Doing it right. And the result, you could see the fruit. And I'm not leaving out the sisters as well. Amherst and Trinity, I saw Sydney taking pictures and doing her thing, and man, it's years of, of investment into the lives, and you know what? God is still doing that. God is still raising up future leaders. We're not done yet. This church isn't done yet. God is still using godly men and women with the spirit of excellence to bring direction and correction into the lives of our, of our angels. The Bible says you train up a child. You train him up in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What an awesome promise that the Word of God gives us. God's not limited. He's not limited by what goes on in the natural. God's a supernatural God, and he's still doing supernatural things. And I tell you why. It's because God's Word is true. God's Word is true. And I believe that sometimes the enemy would come into whisper into our ears and try to discredit God. You've been praying all these years and you still haven't seen it come to pass. God can't do this in this person's life, man. They're beyond hope. They're beyond redemption. Whatever that lie that the enemy would feed us. And we really need to come to a place in our lives where we believe that the promises of God are yea and amen and that we stop listening to the lies of the enemy and start listening to the promises of God. Psalms chapter 33, verse 4. This is for the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all he does. He is faithful in all that he does. Man, you think about what's in a person's word. 
everything. Everything. When you give your word, when you're making that commitment, when you're making that promise. And again, I know we probably might have had some promises made to us that were broken. We might have made some promises ourselves that we broke. You know, where you were told, I promise I won't ever do that again and see it happen. Or, you know, I promise I'm going to come through and you don't ever see that come to pass. And you can get discouraged and then you can get hardened because of broken promises. Where you don't trust and you have a hard time and become cynical. But it's a shame that if we would do that with God. Because the Bible says he's not a man. He's not a man that he should lie. When he promises something to you, when he confirms something in your heart and in your spirit and he lays something there, a burden on you, you can rest assured that God's going to do what he says he's going to do in your life. It might not be in your timing, but God is going to do it, man, because God is faithful. He is faithful, and he's faithful to his word, and he's bound to his word. When he says uh, what he's, what he, what he's going to do in your life, uh, you hold on to that promise. You hold on to what God has given to you. There's promises that God has given me as a teenager, 19 years old, walking into this church. Yet to see them come to pass, but I know those are my promises. And I know there's going to be that day where God is going to say, see, I was just waiting to give you the best. And I know there's people here, you've been praying. You've been praying for loved ones, praying for fathers, mothers, praying for children, husbands, wives, and you see nothing happening because God is not a natural God. He's a supernatural God, and there's something taking place on the inside, and God is doing something, and it's those promises that you got to hold on to. We're talking about the word of God this, this month. That you could take him at his word, that his word is perfect. His word is good. His word is bond. It's as good as gold. It's better than that. That when he says it, uh, you can believe it. That man will let us down, but God will never let us down. God is faithful in all that he does, the Bible says. The Bible says you need to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. Prayer central. First Friday of every month, you can put, mark it on your calendar. We're here praying. And then right in the middle of that uh, uh, prayer central, there's, there's always testimony time. There's always that time where the mic is moving around and people are saying, I thank God for what he's done in my life. He did this. The check was in the mail. He did this. My car's brand new. Man, testimony after testimony. And I love hearing those testimonies. They build my faith. They encourage me. You know? But there's just times where I want to give a testimony, man, about what God has done in my life, about the goodness of God and what he's done in my heart and what he's done in my life and the life of my wife and children, man, because each and every one of us uh, has a testimony. Each and every one of us can reflect uh, on the promise of God and how he brought it to pass. And though we were struggling, he built us up. We didn't have and he provided. We were sick and he healed. In Malachi, he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. He was talking about the tithe right here. He was talking about stop robbing him. He says, trust me with that 10% of what I give you. Trust me with that 10% to give it right back to me and watch if I don't bless your life. I mean, God is daring us to believe him, daring us to trust him, daring us to say, I believe you at your word, God. And I tell you, if you're in this place and you're a tither, you know that God is faithful. You know that you don't even have to test God. You know that as soon as that tithe goes in there, your finances are covered, man. And the enemy would attack and the enemy would try to break your car. Like, man, back to back vehicles broken in my household this past month. But God is faithful. He meets the need time and time again. So if you're in this place and you're struggling with the tithe, you're struggling, release it. God's challenging you tonight, challenging you to trust him at his word, to trust that he's faithful and able to do what he says he's able to do in your life. God is, his word is dependable. 
We can put confidence in his word. Confidence in that he's able to keep us, protect us, save us, heal us, restore us. And when you put that confidence in, in the word of God, when you put your confidence in his holy word, you know what happens? You know what the result is? Freedom. God, there's, there's freedom there. God's word sets us free. Jesus says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And not just from the, free, from the bondages of sin and, and the strongholds of sin, but you know what? Free from worry. The Bible says, don't be anxious for anything, but in prayer and supplications, you bring your knees before God. You can be free to worship. We had an awesome worship service, man. Awesome worship service. Man, it's nice to have the band too, right? Whoo. I mean, the sisters, you guys did an awesome job when it was just the tracks, but man, it's good to have the band. Awesome. And you know what? We're free to serve. We're free to serve. We're free to give. Give of our time, of our talents, of our resources. You know, our church is growing. We have new people coming in. And can I encourage you? Get involved. Get involved. Make yourself available. See one of the pastors, see one of the leaders and say, hey, how can I get involved? How can I help with the ushers? How can I help in the media team? How can I help this Thursday setting up the, the uh, Christmas Wonderland, right? I threw that in there. And you know what happens when you get involved, when you are free to serve, when, when you go in and, 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 and say, I make myself available? You free someone else up to continue to go and do other things for God. You know what else we're free to do? We're free to tell others about the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. As our worship team comes up, I was, I mentioned Billy Graham earlier in a quote that he made concerning the word of God. And there's a story that I was reading about uh, Billy Graham, famous evangelist. He was in his early 30s. He had been preaching already for some time, and he had been going through this season in his life where he was struggling spiritually. His last crusade, in his own words, he felt like it was a flop. He didn't reach the people that he had wanted to reach. He, he just kind of felt that he was spinning his wheels and so at the same time where he was friends, a contemporary of his, where his friend was, um, rather than encouraging him in the word of God, he was trying to discredit the word of God in his life. He would criticize the Bible. He would criticize uh, the scriptures. And he would tell Billy Graham, he says, you're wasting your time. That's old-fashioned. That's out of date. The answer is in academia. The answer is in science. The answer is in this, that, and everything else except for the Word of God. And it was affecting Billy Graham. It was taking a toll on him. He was questioning the Word of God, and he was questioning the call of God on his life. It was at this same time where this lady had invited him to come preach at some Christian retreat up in the San Bernardino Mountains. He had been there a, a, a few nights, and he was praying and he was studying and he saw that this certain phrase kept coming up as he was reading the Bible and it was thus saith the Lord thus saith the Lord thus saith God he kept seeing this certain phrase over and over and over again thus saith God it is written the scriptures say heavy hearted he went for a walk in the evening, and under the moonlight, he came to a, a place in the path there where there was a tree stump, and he laid his Bible there on the tree stump, uh, and he made an altar to God there, and he began to cry out to God. He began to pray. He began to seek the heart and mind of God, and he was honest with God. And he said that his prayer went like this. He said, oh, God, there are many things in this book that I do not understand. There are many problems with it for which I have no solution. 
there are many seeming contradictions and there are some areas in it that do not seem to correlate with modern science. He says, I can't answer some of the philosophical or the psychological uh, questions that some are raising. He says, but Father, Father, I am going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I will believe that this is your inspired word. Billy Grammy went on to say that after that prayer, he sensed the power in his life and an anointing in his life that he hadn't felt for months. And the next evening that he preached, uh, over 400 uh, souls came to salvation. The lady who had invited him talked to him afterwards and says, something happened to you. There's something different about you now. She says, because when you preached, you now preach from a place of authority and you preach from a place of conviction. What happened was that that night when Billy Graham said, I might not understand everything about the word of God. There might be things about the word of God that doesn't make sense to me. There might be questions that I can't answer the word of God. But God, I know that this is your word. And by faith, I know that this is your word. And by faith, I'm going to stand on your word. And the result is that now he wasn't just quoting words uh, from memory, but the conviction was in his heart. There was a fire in his belly, and he was able to minister the word of God from a place uh, that he knew of. And that was a closeness to Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's times where we just got to get past the Bible being just another book and start seeing it as what it is, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, where the Bible says it's alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it reveals the innermost thoughts. Uh, and that's why the enemy fights the Word of God so hard. It's because he's defeated by the, by the Word of God not defeated by how righteous we live or how much we give. He's defeated by the word of God. He's defeated by the word of God. When Jesus said, it is finished, right? It means he defeated death. He defeated the enemy. I leave you with this. Book of John, chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and they follow me. Tonight, I believe we've heard from God. I believe God has spoken to us. I know he's spoken to me, and I know the challenges that he was giving to me as I was studying and preparing this. And I believe that if we're going to be effective in the kingdom of God, we've got to be a church. We've got to be a body of people that uh, believe the word of God and stand on the word of God and use that word of God. Bible says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. With our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed in reverence to God, each and every one of us here tonight will come to places in our lives where decisions will need to be made. As born-again believers, as children of God, decisions... Um, Oftentimes, we know what those decisions are because we read the Word of God. We know the Word of God, but they might be difficult to make because of what it might involve, because of the temporary loss that we might suffer. But we're able to make those decisions based on His Word because the Spirit of God is with us, because Jesus is in our lives. And if you're here tonight, but you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with him. The hardest decision you'll make is that decision to walk away, to walk away from all that is holding you back and make a decision for Christ. Make a decision to follow him. Make a decision to receive his forgiveness. And it's a decision uh, that each and every one of us uh, will have to make is to receive Jesus Christ. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his mercy, his grace. 
to reject it. And I pray tonight that uh, you would make that decision. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you're saying, Brother Manny, I want to know Jesus tonight just by the lifting of your hand so I know who I'm talking to. You want to receive Jesus tonight uh, as your Lord and Savior. You can't wash your hands of Jesus. Pilate tried to do that the night that Jesus was brought to him, the night of his betrayal. And Pilate, he's talking to Jesus and he's saying, uh, are you a king? Are you who they say you are? And you might be sitting in your seat and you might be saying, is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus Lord of all? I can tell you that he is. I can tell you that he is. Like I said earlier, you need to taste and see for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Pilate knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. And washing his hands of him was the decision he made to reject him. Tonight, don't make that decision. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. Tonight, uh, you don't know Christ, but just by the lifting of your hand, you're saying, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. This is what tonight is all about. This is what this whole season is about. It's about Jesus and the gift that was given to us by God. By the lifting of your hand. Hallelujah. If we can all stand tonight in this place. Church, be encouraged tonight. God is faithful. God is just. And he understands that we go through seasons of doubt at times, and we go through seasons where our faith might be shaken. But we have the comfort of God's grace, his forgiveness. And we have the confidence that we can seek those scriptures and still continue to stand on those promises. And if that's you tonight, man, you maybe might have let go of a couple promises that God has given you. Come to the altar tonight and reclaim those promises. Come to the altar. It's now, it's open. Uh, maybe you might have forfeited a promise that God has given you. And tonight, uh, tell the devil, you know what? I'm taking my promise back. I'm taking my promise back from my marriage. I'm taking my promise back from my children. I'm taking my promise back from my health. Uh, and come at the altar and, and just have that moment between you and God, your Savior, your King, where, God, I trust you at your word. I believe all that you have said at your promises, Father. They're yea and amen. Those of you in your seats, just outstretch your hands and lift up your brothers and sisters that are out here making a covenant with God, making an altar. Hallelujah. All your promises are yes and
worship the Lord. Father God, we just give you all glory, all praise tonight, Father God. You are worthy, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Amen. Powerful word tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Manny. He covered the word from A to Z. Even mentioned my favorite scripture. My wife knows what scripture is that. And uh, I'm blessed tonight to uh, pick up the offering. But before that, I want to have a quick announcement for all men. How many men do we have tonight? Yeah. All right. Men, uh, we need your help. 30 minutes for 30 minutes. After our service tonight, we're going to pick up all the chairs. So we can help us out tonight. We're getting ready for our event on Friday. But we need the muscle to pick up all these chairs and uh, that will be a blessing. Great blessing. You'll be blessed. Amen. Yes, as uh, Brother Matt was saying, you know, you can start tonight. You know, uh, use your gift, your strength, and uh, God will just bless your, bless your life, bless your family. So after our service, okay? Amen. So speaking to believers tonight, as well to our visitors, and picking up our offering. In my passage here, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, note, Apostle Paul writing this letter to the church of Corinth, but he's also writing it to New Harvest, Norwalk, me and you. Word of encouragement. He says, verse 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. You know, to give, it takes courage. So I remember the first time I gave, you know, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, can I afford to give? It takes courage. So, you know, it takes faith as well. It says here, courage, faith, and it also says, do it in love. So as we pick up tonight's offering, we're giving because we love God. And I know you love God because on a Tuesday night, you came out. Yes, amen. Tuesday night, you made time. And we have a, a lot of people tonight. I'm like, wow, it's a blessing. Cold, rain. But you came out. You know why? Because you love God. We love God. We're here tonight worshiping our Lord. So we give because we love God. We give, as Brother Manny was saying, we, we give because we love our church. You know, God has done many miracles. He has done many things in our lives here. You know, I've been here 30 years, and I've seen God do wonders, miracles, on and on and on. He continues to do them. And he was saying, I'm grateful. I'm blessed and I'm thankful. And we also give because it meets the needs of our home church, especially in this season, you know, season of giving. You know, I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit, as we had a series on the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, you know what, give extra, give extra. And I said, okay, because God will meet our needs. God will meet our needs. So as we give our resources, our tithes, and our offerings, many lives will come as we did, and they'll receive the greatest Christmas gift, and that is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And their lives will never be the same as, me, as mine and your life changed forever. You know, Sunday service, many salvations. And I say, wow, Lord, your, your word is faithful. There's healing, there's salvation. That's the proof. That's the truth. As we're going to see many more come to Christ, I'm excited. I'm believing that God is going to continue to move greatly. As me and you continue to be faithful in our tithes and our offering, God is also going to be faithful in your life, your family, your children, as he is always. So help me pray tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just give you the glory, the praise, Father God, for everything you're doing, Father God, and you're going to do. We ask you to bless this offering, bless the tithes, multiply it, Father God. 
Use it in a mighty way, Father God. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. blind will see, through you the mute will sing, through you the dead will rise, through you our hearts will praise, through you the darkness flees, through you our hearts screams, I am free. forget to invite your neighbors your loved ones to our christmas wonderland this friday we're gonna have an exciting time god bless you have a good evening amen